Welcome, everyone, to the Smartest Guy in the Room podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Dempsey. With me today, as always, my good pal, Matt Otis Smith. And today we have a special treat for everybody. Uh, This lovely lady named Kara Fernstrom, who is the host of her own podcast. It is called The Conquest of Bliss. Kara, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I love the way you introduced Kara, you're joining us from Canada, right? Yes, Vancouver Island. So off the West Coast. Island. Wow. You know, it's uh, so Vancouver Island. Where is that in relation to the city? Um, It's across the the Georgia Straits. So it's like an hour and a half, two hour ferry ride across like toward Japan or whatever, toward Asia from Vancouver. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I uh, Vancouver is like on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep the weather of uh, Vancouver on my phone for some reason. I want to go out there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to jump ahead of anything, Kara, but I'd like to do that. Um, (laughs) I have been to Whistler Blackcomb. Okay. And what I didn't see and I have a quest in my life. I have multiple quests that I run concurrently. But one of them is to see a mountain cat. I don't oh, know if like you've a, listened. Like I don't know if you figure. listened to our episode about the mountain cat. Where Jerry but, lied. Yeah, I was in Tahoe snowboarding with a bunch of my buddies, and I made I saw a dog basically running around like eating someone's garbage. <laughs> and I came back and I told you know we were drinking obviously. Um, I told all my buddies that I'd just seen a mountain cat running around. And it went from just a stupid lying story because I was bored into like almost a all out fist fight amongst about 10 guys in the ski house. <laughs> That's the kind of idiot I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. And you mean like a cougar, right? Like a mountain lion? I mean, I'll, I'll take a chubacabra if I can get one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sure. Or lynx. Aren't they? Cause I, like a bobcat. I What's what is uh, predominantly in your in your neck of the woods, Bobcat? Well, actually, Vancouver Island has the most cougars, um, like the cat, not the sexy woman. Um, <laughs> right. In all like like density wise in all of uh, North America, maybe or Canada. I don't know. I don't want to start lying, but <laughs> mountain. Well, you lion. Can um, but there's, <laughs> get right on. Get to it. <laughs> but there's a there's a lot of cougars here um, on the island. I don't think there's bobcats, but it's actually really weird because. Right, we're right next to like the mainland in Vancouver and stuff, but we have all these different animals than they do there. Like there's snakes here. There, I never saw a snake on the mainland ever. Like so, um, yeah, we have a lot of cougars. I've never heard of someone seeing a lynx, but there could be, could be. We have, what about we have bear? Lot. Don't you have a lot of bear? Yeah, there's lots of bears. Actually, I had a friend who was sorry. This is super dark, and I'm just gonna say it real quick and move past it. I had a friend who was killed by a black bear in northern what? BC. <laughs> That's awful. Oh my yeah, god. So, it's yeah, it is super, super sad. But um, but so there is a lot of bears, grizzly bears, black bears. Um, we don't have like polar bears unless they're like the roller bears, maybe, you know, the grizzlies and polar bears mixing. Yeah. Up what's north. up with that? Because I'm glad you brought that up, because what's this pizzly? I saw them calling them that versus I mean, growler or growler, <laughs> however you want to say it seems like the more, I don't know, appropriate or cool <laughs> way of saying it than. You got these people calling it a pizzly, which, again, <laughs> I swear to God, 
I heard. See, now that's not a lie that I made up. Although I would. <laughs> yeah, Pisley makes it up. sound so like weak ass, but instead it's like two of the most badass animals in North America mixed together, and you're gonna call it a Pisley? Exactly. That doesn't make anyone afraid of it. What is wrong with people? So Jerry right. and I, uh, Jerry and I both grew up in Buffalo. New so York. We're, we're almost Canadian. Yeah. We're Canadian so. adjacent. Yeah, we're, we're, we we spent a lot of time of our lives in Canada. What's funny, too, is Buffalo, being the town it is, gets looked down upon by the snobby Torontonians. That's what you call them. Well, Everybody got, gets looked down upon by Torontonians. They're kind of yeah. assholes. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> Are you a Tragically Hip fan? Um, n- not. I'm not a- against them. <laughs> uh, I like it. A lot of Canadians I know don't. I'm I'm like a giant hip fan. I even have gourd tattooed on my forearm. But uh, oh goodness, that's commitment. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm just wondering. I like. Uh, oh, I can't turn my camera. But in the corner, there's a Beatles. I like the Beatles. Yeah, I see it. I'm a Beatles Is gal. From Canada. <laughs> the Canadian invasion. No. <laughs> Oh, so you live there. Uh, you live there with your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have any? Who else do you live with? My kitty Fergus. Oh. Um, no, uh, no, I have no children yet. Hope, hopefully, but you know that's kind of one of those things we don't get to pick. So I just try to be cool along the ride and pretend but, I don't cry every month. You know, you have pets. <laughs> what yeah. a position. Um, pardon. That's our topic today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have a cat called Fergus. Um, he is mostly black with a little white tuft. And he we got him as a kitten and he is rowdy and very cat like. So you want to pet him. When you want to pet him, he runs away. When he wants pets, it doesn't matter if you're busy, you know, very cat like. How old is Fergus? Um, I think like seven months old, eight months old. Huh. Just a baby. Just a baby. Mm-hmm. So- Otis, now you, were you a cat person growing up? I, I, I need to understand more about your own lineage <laughs> as it relates to pets. Okay, so our topic today is pets. And it was a topic that Jerry proposed because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, but I don't think Jerry understands pets and the concept of pets. Mm. Uh, so he talked to me one day about talking about pets and uh speaking of cats i i was not a cat person growing up um yeah i'm in my 50s now and uh uh my whole life teetered on being very different than it turned out because of cats and i'll explain uh when i met my wife uh she had 14 cats oh goodness and I had never grown up around cats. I didn't really like cats and I was allergic to cats (laughs) and very, very allergic to cats. So she almost did not date me because of cats, because she was (laughs) far more loyal to cats than she was to the concept of of me. So to answer your question, Jerry, no, I'm not. I was not a cat person, but I I, uh, had no choice but to become one. And I went from zero cats in my life ever to all of a sudden having 14 cats and two dogs at age 25. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. So, I mean, I take a more pragmatic approach. I have two kids. 
And my daughter is very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but amazing, but mostly she's very curious about life. And she's seven years old. She's gone from, Daddy, I want cat, I want dog, I want a horse, you know, and now she just wants to own her own zoo. Um, <laughs> that's all she ever talks about. And I've almost given in a few times, but like, you know, I live in suburbia where people just like acquire things without the sense of responsibility. And what I mean specifically is I have a lot of neighbors that have dogs that probably have, don't know the first thing about how to manage or, you know, train or take care of a dog. And, um, you know, to me, it's just uh, one, you know, I'm smart enough not to take on responsibility I don't want. So I just see it as like a to-do, like a well, job. Well, you're not a real American. Huh? Then you're not a real American. What, what does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> because we all take on responsibility we don't want or should have. No, I'm lazy, <laughs> but I'm smart enough and honest enough to admit it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I don't know. We are all about keeping up with the Joneses, damn it. Um, I don't know. So Kara, you know. Is having a cat to you, does it make you complete? Does it make you whole? Like, or could you, you know, like how important is this cat to you? Well, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, now that I have him, it's very important. But if I'd never gotten him, I would have been fine. Um, what like about I when do... you were a little girl? Did you have these animals growing up? Well, okay, so um, speaking of allergies, my dad is really allergic to cats and dogs, like pretty allergic to dogs as well. So I never had cats and dogs growing up. We had geckos and snakes and rats at one point. Well, we had rats to feed the snakes, but we also had rats before that, before we got the snakes as pets. Uh Um, And uh, yeah, so like I never got to have like traditional pets. And then so when I became an adult, I got my first cat. I've only had black cats for some reason. Um. But I had my first cat, and then my my last cat, Oscar, died uh, just last July. And so I wasn't sure if I was ready, but my boyfriend and I just decided that we wanted one. And, and we went and we looked and saw Kitty that we fell in love with, and so we got him. But to answer your original question, like I said, when, I'm, when I've gone through periods without cats, like, I'm okay. I can survive on other people's pets, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. How long did you have Oscar? Uh, I had Oscar for five years, and then he he got fatty liver disease that was not particularly treatable without him suffering. So, what do you what do you like about black cats? Um, well, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I definitely like the whole like mystical witchy woman thing. You know, she's in the superstar Um, but I uh, <laughs> I also just I just find that I'm drawn to them. I don't know. I just what really color like eyes does it have? Um, all of them have had yellow, yeah, yellowish yellow. eyes. Yeah, no, yeah, no I've, blue-eyed babies. I've had a couple black cats in my life, and I actually think I've had all sorts of cats. I always found the black cats actually, at least the ones that I've had, to be more, most affectionate and the most interactive with people. There, I've I've had a lot of cats that have just been completely aloof, uh, but the black cats I've had have always been the warmest. And I, I've got a black cat right now. Tilly and uh I've got two cats I had three dogs but two of my dogs just died mm. so um so what but do you yeah. do 
Here's my other question for both of you. Like, um, up until I'm a semi-retired Kara, just FYI. And, um, but up until then, I worked my ass off for uh, 25 years in corporate sales. So, I mean, from, again, pragmatically, I didn't have time for all this fun stuff. Like, I didn't even have time for a fish, which I get, you know, that just, uh, I'm like a little factoid guy. I love stupid <laughs> trivia. Um, fish is the number one pet that Americans and probably Canadians uh, have. I can't speak for, for Canada, though. Um, but they get lumped in. I'm No offense. You guys get lumped in as America Junior a lot. Does that offend you? And I hope it doesn't, but... Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that it offends me, but I mean, I think that we have our own views about, about our relationship to the States too. So I'm, I mean, oh, God, yeah. <laughs> tell us, tell us who does well, it. <laughs> I mean, I think that a lot of Canadians sort of, okay. I, like, don't be, please don't be offended. Oh, trust right. me. I won't. I, won't. I never get of, offended. I think a lot of Canadians sort of think of America as their little brother that thinks they're really tough. You yeah. know, so like we care about you guys and we really want the best for you, but you keep doing weird fucking shit and, <laughs> and we just try to do, try to help you in whatever way we can. And we let you bully us sometimes because, you know, you guys need the self-esteem and <laughs> and like sort of that kind of view, I think. Awesome. That is that I think that is dead on. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like very Canadian. I don't know if that offends Jerry, but uh, like all of my. Every all of my favorite bands, all of my favorite comedians, a lot of my favorite shows are, uh, you know, Canadian. Uh, my daughter lives with a Canadian. Um, I have a niece in Toronto. I grew up on the edge of Canada. It was a huge influence in my life. I'm a big hockey fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big I mean, I like Canadian beer, so I used to drink mm. a lot of that back in the day. Um, like Molson? Oh god, yeah. Molson Canadian, uh Labatt's. I mean, all of it. I remember John remember John Labatt's extra stock when they'd load up the alcohol content. We used to we'd go over the border and you'd sneak it back in our cars. And you know, it had like six percent alcohol, which like an American Budweiser what's got like two maybe three percent really so you could you know yeah. i mean again this is circa 1990 ish uh, i don't know if these things still exist today but you know i mean going from buffalo plus the drinking age was 19 when we were coming up so we could go into canada you know go into bars and get drunk and then we'd have to have at least somebody pretend to be sober to drive us back home. Remember those days, Matt? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, so, never fell off the priest. Uh, I room. mean, Canadian beer is typically between five and, and I mean, the gross stuff is like 8%, but typically it's 5%. Yeah. So I'm surprised to hear that it's two to three. So no, my... I personally never had any issues with, with Canadians or, I mean, I've traveled a bunch um, and I've lived in different, like, I lived in Northern California, so Northern California people don't like Southern California people. I lived in Hoboken, New Jersey, and worked in Manhattan. And New York City people, they used to, like, when I try to meet chicks in the city, they'd always call me, like, Bridge and Tunnel Boy because I lived in Hoboken. And, you know, so there's always, like, and Jersey people are, like, New York City's angry little brother. So there's that. And you just get labeled with these things. I'll put it this way. 
I took my mom to Ireland. We're Irish of heritage. So you go there and then they call you Plastic Patty because you're an American <laughs> that thinks you're Irish. And I mean, I was like in this bar in Ireland, in Dublin, and I'm like going, you know, to the urinal doing my business. And this guy next to me is like, hey, mate, what's with all these fucking Americans here? And I just look at him and I'm like, those people piss me off, dude. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, oh, I thought you was one of us, lad. And I'm like, no, I'm one of those idiot Americans. Don't worry about it. But then him and I became best buddies, you know, and went to the to the bar and drank our faces off. So I feel like, you know, what Socrates said it, like, I'm a citizen of the fucking world. And it's my, you know, and then the Irish guy was like, and it's my world. So, I mean, that's, you know, we can move on and get back to pets. But, but well, now you know my whole I, philosophy. I think that. Speaking of pets, I think in, in perceptions of people have of one another, I I do think that Americans are so arrogant that they kind of do view Canadians as their pets, you know, in a way. <laughs> I, I, and I don't mean that as an insult to Canadians. Oh, I, I kind of mean that as you. an insult to Americans. <laughs> I'm offended. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it feels more like an insult to Americans. Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I know a lot of people who who will like make certain cracks about Canada. I'm like, you know, who don't really know what they're talking about. But uh, um, my daughter is entertaining, keeps entertaining having a dog, getting a dog, and it's you know, dogs are a lot of work. A lot, I think they're a lot more work than cats. Mm-hmm. And I got a little bit. I don't want to say worried, but I, she, she keeps talking about getting a dog. And she's at an age where some of her friends are starting to get married. And I asked her, half jokingly, half worried, mainly about myself, because I don't want to be a grandfather, uh, <laughs> if, if her need for a dog is somehow influenced by this inner desire to maybe have a kid. And... Uh, uh, Thankfully, she said no. But uh, uh, do you do you believe that there's something to that? Women, you know, be, before they want kids, get pets. Um, I think that I'm honestly a pretty terrible person to ask because, like, I've wanted kids for a really long time since I was really young. Uh-huh. So, so I don't know if if my love of pets is rooted in that, but I think that it's probably probably not. Because there's a big, like, maybe it's, like, building responsibility, like, in that sense. Like, you know, like, preparing yourself for motherhood or whatever. But there's a significant difference between a child and a and a cat. Like, you can have a cat for five years and it's never going to say mom, you know? So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're really high. Yeah. Yeah. Acid, acid notwithstanding, it's never going to say mom. Uh, I asked that question, too, because uh, uh, one of my daughter's friends was telling her how bad she wanted a kid and she's like, you know, I'm just ready. I don't, I don't even care who's the father. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, but then she opted to get a puppy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just, I was, I was just wondering, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I definitely can't speak for all women by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd say that it's probably as often as men do the same thing. Cause there's lots of men who want children too, who don't, don't have them. Well, I think that pets, and I was trying to tell Jerry this one day, like, I'm a big dog person. uh, And what I love about dogs is just the unconditional love, you know. Um, 
no matter how bad your day is, no matter how big of an asshole you are, you know, the dog, your dog is there. And uh, especially during the pandemic, I've, I've, my, my dog and I have been glued at the hip since the pandemic. Uh, I think she's getting sick of me. And, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, so there's that com- companionship uh, aspect that pets bring. So you sure. should get a dog, Jerry. Yeah, like uh, the one, know, one on your go picture. Go ahead, Kara. Go ahead. I was just saying you have a picture of a dog. You could get one just like that. Well, interestingly enough, I had a dog as a kid that looked uh, like this little puppy here. Oh. And we, um, it was a beagle. And the owner threw it out of the car or threw her out of the car in the mall. And this woman, you know, took the dog. And knew my mom. I don't know if they ran into each other at the mall. I was pretty young at the time. I was probably about 10. Anyway, long story short, we took the dog from this lady. And my dad named the dog Midge after the lady, which she really appreciated. But that dog was the coolest freaking dog ever because she was people. You know, people always say, oh, my dog's so smart. He's like a people. My dog, like would go into the woods, kill birds and eat them, kill rabbits and eat them. I mean, we fed her and we were cool to her, but she was the the coolest dog and, like, was her own person. The only thing she did wrong in life, and it wasn't even wrong, it was just something that we could never correct, was she hated the fucking UPS guy. (laughs) The only thing she chased was the UPS truck, and she would hear it coming, you know, a big brown truck or whatever. I don't know if she could, she knew the sound of the engine, but we'd be like sitting in the house and she could hear it. And she'd want to go outside just to chase that guy around the street. And like, <laughs> you know, we would let her go. Like we didn't put her on, you know, chain walker. We just, when she wanted to go, we are fortunately, you know, we had woods uh, off of our backyard. Mm-hmm. She would go in the woods sometimes for days and not come back. And, again, I know I'm taking up way too much of my own time, but, like, (laughs) I wiped out on my bike one time delivering newspapers, and I cracked my skull and was knocked out for, like, a half hour. And she stayed with me. I was in the hospital for a long time. I was already fucked up before then, so it didn't didn't do anything worse to me. (laughs) But, like, she stayed with me the entire time and was by my side and kept licking my face. So I'd wake up and I finally like staggered home. Some, and then my parents found me and took me to the hospital, but you know, she saved my life. And I'll always remember that dog is like, if I ever were to get a dog again, it would have to be like some kind of chocolate lab or, uh, or Mitch. Anyway, that's why I got the picture of Mitch. So heartwarming. Jerry had Jerry had eleven siblings, and his parents didn't even know he was gone. Hey, yeah, no. I mean, I love my parents, but I, you know, it goes like like you know, they just kept having kids, and they were like that Catholic, like we don't have to think about anything because God will just somehow the man in the sky will protect us, and uh, you know, they just kept having kids even after my doc or my mom's doctor was like, hey, uh, you know, maybe you ought to like take some uh, precautions and not have any more fucking kids. <laughs> no. So, anyway. Kara, the name of the podcast is The Conquest of Bliss. Uh, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. Tell us about okay, it. so um, what do you want to know about it? Like, what it's about? 
Well, yeah, tell, <laughs> uh, for the uninitiated. Uh... Okay, so it started um, really, like, so the audio quality in the beginning, terrible, which I'm sure you now know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it started just kind of as, as an, a project of interest, a place to sort of, you know, start fleshing out my ideas and have conversations about happiness and uh, well-being. And now it's sort of grown to something of like, I like to think of it as an archive of tools and techniques and experiences. So sometimes I speak with experts, like I just released one with a neuroscientist and an anthropologist the week before. So I speak with with uh, experts um, to sort of talk about the the um, the higher level of the tools and techniques. And then I like to speak with with lay people like myself um, to sort of flesh out what that looks like in real life, including my own experiences and, and sort of share vulnerability as well as, you know, help, help people to, to have access to some of the tools that took me a really, really long time to find. Um, like I've been on this journey for a good, you know, decade and a, and a quarter, you know, since basically since I got clean, I've been on this journey and a lot of these tools are scattered all over the place and, and hard to find. And <clears throat> vulnerability is is one of those tools that's really helpful for me. I don't know if that I did a good job explaining it or not. You, you've got a pretty interesting backstory. You were you went to the you were were you sent to the states to oh another yeah. family to clean up or what? And so is this where the you know your experience and your from that experience is where your the idea for the podcast kind of comes, if not um, consciously and unconsciously? I mean, that's definitely like related for sure, like to my, you know, issues with fears of abandonment. So yeah, I got sent to the States, um, Missouri specifically, to live with what turned out to be a lovely family. But at the time, we didn't know that they were just people my parents knew on the internet. And they just sent me there. It's kind of complicated and convoluted. They did the best they could with what they knew. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, definitely fears of abandonment and stuff stemmed from that. And then I um, was addicted to crack when I was like 16, 17 um, and went to rehab when I was 18. And that's where I started learning a lot of the life skills and started doing therapy and stuff like that. So it kind of was a combination of things like, oh, like when I was 17, I tried to commit suicide and I was in the hospital for that. There's a whole bunch of of big traumatic events that all sort of led me to I either have to do something or... I'm going to die. And then eventually through that process led me to, oh my God, I need to share this. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, you had your father on an episode and that was mm-hmm. a really cool episode because uh, you didn't really talk to him. Like, I mean, you did, but it wasn't like, hey, I've got my dad on the show. It got, the, the talk kind of got like down and dirty. Yeah, and a little heated. There's a lot of heavy sighs in that episode and a lot of Ugh, and talking over each other on both ends. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, my family and I have all sort of grown together in spite of all the traumas. I mean, not like trauma bonding because some of the traumas were caused by them. But um, as I've started to heal and started to deal with some of the difficulties, we've we've all started talking about deeper stuff like that. Yeah. You mentioned therapy, Jerry. Have you ever been in therapy? Uh, yeah. What do you? So, what do you? What? What? What was your? What? What's your takeaway from the experience of therapy, Jerry? I'm thinking. Uh, one. <laughs> you know, the biggest part to me was the outcome. 
In other words, like, what the fuck do you want to have happen? Right. I mean, everyone's everyone's journey is different, but the commonalities at the the root are usually the same, um, you know, in terms of like the spectrum of life. Um, So for me. uh, I wanted someone to, you know, I dragged my wife to it because. It's important. Like to not lie to yourself. So then it's important to say, all right, here's what I'm going to fix and then hold yourself to it. And, you know, and make it important. And to me, that was like the value of having a therapist because I could read books and I can read and I've done, I've read a ton of stuff about, you know, just how to like change and modify your own behavior and attain your goals and shit like that. But I mean, for me, it was more about getting my wife to kind of look at herself. I mean, you know, Kara, like I got married and my wife is super cool. We had a lot of fun. Then once we started having kids, like I felt like I got kicked to the curb. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, like the kid was the new shiny penny. And I was just like the fucking asshole over there. (laughs) And, um, and, and, you know, we've been through this and it's all good. But like, you know, her. Her parents came, and her mother was like our nanny, and she was like in my fucking house all the time. And I love her, but I don't want her in my house all the time. So it's all <laughs> yeah. these things that I needed other people to help me with, you know, that were just driving me insane. And I started like getting angry over things that back in the day would just go right by me. And like, you know, so anyway, I took a long time to explain it. But, <laughs> but you know, there's shit you do wrong that you have to change. And if you don't know, that's where therapists can help you figure out like, hey, you're being the asshole here or here's where you're letting yourself down. You know what I mean? So depending on what's going on for each person, one is the the desire to say, I don't like the way my life's going. And two, what the fuck am I going to do about it? You know, and then you can just kind of uh, uh, customize your own little plan for yourself. But to again, sitting with people, I mean, I went to AA meetings because – I was drinking a lot, but I wouldn't, I still wouldn't call myself an alcoholic because I would never, you know, I wasn't like every day I have to drink, but if it's Friday and I know I don't have to work till Monday, I might fucking binge drink all weekend, you know, that kind of shit, you know? So did therapy help you, Kara? What'd you get out of it? I mean... Um, I mean, I've gotten a lot out of therapy. There's different kinds of therapy that I've done. Um, basic talk therapy, you know, has helped me to sort of explore. Uh, I think I think the biggest thing for me that that talk therapy has value in is learning how to explore other perceptions. Because there's always like, you know, a half a dozen to a hundred ways to look at any given interpersonal situation or or personal situation, right. and some are more helpful than others. Some are, you know, some are the are things that you can't control. So so changing the way you view it is the only thing you can do to help yourself accept it, stuff like that. And so I find talk therapy really, really helpful in that. And then there's other kinds of therapy like DVT and stuff, which are more skills based. And they they teach you skills that you can use to apply in your life. And so the value in therapy for me is is having someone who knows the stuff to to work work through it with you in your personal situation. Yeah, I I uh I'm 53. I went to therapy for the first time in my life when I was 50. And uh, 
I went for a while, then I changed therapists. Um, and uh, I, I really like the experience. I don't know if it ultimately helped me or not, because I ran into two problems. Uh, both therapists, the first, the first couple sessions I find really helpful, but then I start feeling like I like the therapist, like I build a relationship with them. Then mm -hmm. I start hiding shit from him because I don't want him to be disappointed in me. <laughs> I don't want him to not like me anymore. So, <laughs> so like, you know, the, my first therapist was this great, smart woman, but she and but she was like an older aunt that I wanted to go to dinner with. And so I, <laughs> I kept things from her because I didn't want her to be disappointed in me. And uh, uh, same thing with the second one who was younger, young, far younger than me, but she really challenged me. But I thought she was cool. And I'm like, well, I can't. I can't tell her this because then she'll think I'm a scumbag, you know? So the other thing was, the other thing was, uh, they eventually, you're eventually led to a place, um, that I think, well, at least I'll say in my own case, I don't want to speak for you guys that I kind of already knew, like they'll, they'll lead you to, they won't tell you what to do, but they'll lead you to answers that I thought like, well, shit, I kind of knew this on my own. And it comes down to you just having the courage to actually making the change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think I'm a, a masochist in some way. Sometimes I don't want to make the change. I'd rather be miserable. And uh, I don't know. I just, that's, it was a, it's an issue uh, when I was listening to your podcast, Kara, that I wanted to bring up. I wanted to bring up therapy. So I was <laughs> curious to find out what you guys got out of it. Uh, so anyway. And and if I may, like, that's that's really interesting. And I think that that's a really, really good point about wanting to hide things. I think we all do that. Like, practicing vulnerability is 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 really, really hard. Um, but, like, one of the things that's helpful for me in that, and I know you didn't ask for this, but I'm going to tell you what it was. Um, one of the things that's that's really helpful for me in it is I if 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 it like if there's something that I want to hide. I try my hardest to immediately tell someone because then it's out and it can get out. So now I have no choice but to be vulnerable. Like mm -hmm. I corner myself, um, you know, I constantly play games with myself where I corner myself and like, now you have to do a bitch. And oh, sorry, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast. I'm so oh, sorry. Yeah. So that's the strategy I have because otherwise, like, I don't know how to gently coax myself into you know, um, honesty when it's hard. And when I say honesty, I mean, obviously you're, you can be honest without telling someone everything, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Well, as we bring this home, uh, Kara, I want to, I listened to the Sextra Sextra episode. <laughs> yeah. And one of the reasons I listened to that, cause it said Sextra Sextra and I was like, Oh, sex. So, but uh, I got into it and I was listening to it and, uh, uh, Nicole Hodges was interesting. She's fantastic. Uh, she gives men bubble baths, which mm -hmm. was kind of weird and cool. And uh, if she ever does that again, I'm game. But uh, I want she there. I didn't. She brought up a term called compassionate disagreement, and I disagreed with a lot of what she was saying. And uh, <laughs> as it pertained <laughs> as it pertained to men. Uh, and I'd, we'd love to have you and her back for an episode on men. I will message her and see if she's into that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I, Harry, uh, uh, yeah, if we, if, maybe if, if, you know, if down the line, if, if we can do that, that'd be cool. But Jerry probably should bring it home. I think Kara's the smartest guy in the room today because yeah, she got the fuck out of Missouri and went back to Canada. <laughs> well, and my last question for you was, have you or do you on a regular basis get on a kayak and like, swim around with like killer whales and shit um i wouldn't say on a regular basis or anything but i've i've maybe not killer whales but i've gone kayaking and i live right beside the ocean like my if i look outside my door it's ocean so i mean Um, that's one of my i guess people call it bucket list but i just call it my weird fantasies because it has nothing to do with, like, sex or any of those things. But I've gone in a shark cage off the Farallon Islands, and we didn't see any sharks, so it kind of pissed me off. That but my other my other want is to go to Vancouver Island, get in a kayak, and, like, see some killer whales. You know, like, they always show in the commercials. You know what I mean? It's actually totally doable. I know lots of people who have done that. I just haven't, I haven't, um, like I said, I've kayaked more in lakes because the ocean terrifies me. Right on. Um, well i understand that all right so i have two quotes uh because i didn't want to lean too far against dogs or cats or whatever hey jerry can i I clear something up oh yeah go for it the bubble bath part i i did not mean that in a creepy sexual way i thought the i took it that way (laughs) i I didn't mean it that way that's why i want to clear it up the whole idea of nicole like talking to me and as like it, it almost sounded like therapy in a way Mm-hmm. It's interviews it's, about masculinity. Right. Yes. It just sounded like such a, a weird but cool way to, to be interviewed or to talk about some type of societal ill while you're in the bathtub. Now, not together. I assume I'm just the only one in the bathtub. Yeah. But it just, <laughs> it just sounded so kind of cool and, and uh, I don't know, interesting. And I was like, that's, that's just fucking – it's brilliant. It's innovative. So – so that's what kind of what I meant by it. I didn't want to mean I not a creepy. Well, I guy. would have rather left the mystery of you just being creepy. To, to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah, I don't want. I don't want to, I've only known you for fifty years, and yeah, you're I'm still not creepy. I'm not. I'm not creepy, man. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We're gonna wrap it up. Carol, you've been awesome. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you. All right, here's a fun quote. Dogs look up to us. Cats look down at us. Pigs look at us as equals. <laughs> you want to guess who said that? It wasn't a Canadian or an American. Was it, it was Orson Welles? Dirty British. No, Winston Churchill. Good, good oh. catch or guess, though. Um, oh, and here's one that maybe you'll like, and it has a therapy twist to it. Time spent with cats is never wasted time. Oh. Sigmund <laughs> Freud. There you go. That was all right, folks. Great chat. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right. All right. You too. Bye, Kara. Bye. Bye. Bye.